0: Welcome to Wellness Rebranded. We know there's so much conflicting health and fitness advice out there.
1: And you're tired of the senseless and toxic diet culture noise. You're ready to tune into your body, feel empowered around food, and focus on your true health and well-being. Welcome to the Wellness Rebranded podcast. We're the healing trio of your health and
0: wellness anti-diet dreams. I'm Tara, personal trainer... I'm Elizabeth, Registered Dietitian and Certified Intuitive Eating
1: Counselor. And I'm Maura, Licensed Clinical Social Worker.
2: Together, we're pushing back on diet culture, hustle culture, and toxic positivity to help you practice genuine health-promoting self-care.
1: So grab your water bottle, forget the rules, and let's start rebranding your wellness
2: journey. Welcome back to another episode of Wellness Rebranded. We are chatting all about perfectionism today, which as a recovering perfectionist, I'm super excited to hear what knowledge bombs Mora is going to drop
1: on us for this topic. So let's jump in. Yes. This is another episode that I wish we could have, you know, seven hours. We could have an entire podcast dedicated just, just to perfectionism. perfectionism. Yes. it <laughs> so, probably is that. <laughs> I am certain of it, yeah. <laughs> so, Elizabeth, you describe yourself as a recovering perfectionist. Tara, I'm curious if you think about yourself as a perfectionist.
0: So I was much more perfectionist before I had my son, and now I'm more of a whateverist. <laughs>
1: whateverist. Oh, my gosh, I love that. It's funny. I was thinking about earlier today that I didn't used to think of myself as a perfectionist, but I definitely was. <laughs> <laughs> like, I thought of myself as lazy. I thought of myself as someone who procrastinated. I thought of myself in all these other ways. And when I look back on it, I'm like, oh, my gosh, I was a perfectionist then, just like I am now. Interesting. <laughs> <Just, laughs> Interesting. I'm curious, too, that I think that there's kind of, like, a helpfulness sometimes to perfectionism. I do, too. Yeah, tell me about it. I am not a perfectionist
0: any longer, but I do like things done, like, the right way and to be done <laughs> just so. Uh-huh. But not a perfectionist. <laughs> I know, I know. But at this time, I've kind the of been like— right and just so. <laughs> <laughs> well, listen, not everybody can be as perfect as that, Okay. <laughs> well, Now I'm kind of at the point where I'm like, oh my gosh, I want it that way, but it's not attainable, so whatever. Ah, yeah. It's the whateverist.
1: Yeah, I like the want it that way. So I'm guessing like sometimes that shows up and there are times maybe that you do put more effort into something that's maybe a little bit perfectionistic. Yes. Okay, yeah. So it's like maybe I'm a
0: recovering perfectionist too. Maybe I'm a perfectionist that just can't attain that right now, so I've tried to get rid of that goal. <laughs> You're yeah. a frustrated
1: perfectionist. <laughs> yeah. Accurate. I wonder, have you ever found perfectionism to be helpful, Elizabeth? Yeah. Yeah, I have definitely have found it to be helpful. When yeah. you hit your goal, it's awesome because it's perfect.
0: If you're a whateverist and you hit your goal, it's whatever because you didn't put that much effort into it. uh,
1: Yeah. I think in a lot of ways, perfectionism is helpful in like getting us to strive for more things, to reach. I know in another episode, Tara, you've talked about liking to put yourself outside your comfort zone. Mm -hmm. And I know for me, perfectionism kind of helps me put myself outside my comfort zone sometimes. Same. Yeah. Sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not so helpful. Also, Mm -hmm. true. Yeah. I found that when perfectionism is helpful, it tends to be more flexible. Like you were talking about, it turns into whateverism. You know, I have this goal, and sometimes it doesn't work out in the way that I wanted it to work out. That's really flexible, right? It's like, okay, yeah, this thing I wanted, it didn't work out, and I also tried. Yeah. I do think trying is important. Yeah. Would that actually be considered
2: perfectionism, though, if someone had that mindset? Because to me, that sounds like A healthier mindset than Mm -hmm. I think of when I think of perfectionism.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think we could put, like, whatever label on this. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean it is perfectionism or it isn't. I like to think of it as sometimes it's helpful and sometimes it's not. And really, the way I like to think about it is because sometimes that's a barrier for people. When they come to see me, they're like, yes, I don't like all of these terrible things that are happening with perfectionism. But I don't want to let go of this Mm -hmm. because it's gotten me to where I am. Yeah. Oh, I see that. Yeah. So I think sometimes looking at it as helpful perfectionism, kind of looking at really the behaviors that we have, Mm -hmm. some of those behaviors are helpful and some of those are not so helpful.
0: I like the question you just asked about, is perfectionism a negative thing? And I do think it is, right? Because it's so controlling in our lives. It has to be perfect, Or otherwise, it's not good enough.
2: I guess that's what I was trying to ask, is when I think of perfectionism, I think as it as more of a control mechanism, right? If I do it perfect... No one can say I didn't. If I do it perfect, I'm not opening myself up to any judgment. Yeah, right, if I do or it criticism.
1: I'm hearing, mm-hmm. when you guys are describing perfectionism with that connotation, I'm hearing a lot of rigidity. I'm hearing a lot of rules. I'm also hearing a lot of avoidance from things. Yeah, I was going to say fear. Yeah. yeah. Fear of being judged or criticized mm-hmm. or getting it wrong. Anxiety. Yeah, yeah. And I know for me... I have this inner critic, mm-hmm. and truly, I think this is a part of the human experience. I think that we all have this inner critic mm-hmm. to varying levels. No, I don't.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> Tara just has an inner cheerleader. <laughs> I mean, i have but that too. Awesome. That would be awesome. I have that too, but also I do have an inner critic. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know my inner critic really wants me to avoid looking incompetent. It wants me to avoid being left out or rejected, and it tends to be kind of mean. I don't know about yours. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like that's She's kind sassy. of the very
2: nature of inner critics is that they're not very nice. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, and I think that we kind of develop this inner critic throughout our life. Maybe it's modeled to us. Maybe we see people in our life who are mean to themselves. Mm-hmm. Maybe we're treated in that way sometimes, and we take mm-hmm. that on. It could be that we beat ourselves up internally. And then the goal is met and that behavior, that beating ourselves up internally is reinforced. And so now I'm going to do it again. Now I'm going to beat myself up again because that worked before. And we've created like a habit loop with it. And the thing that I find really interesting with perfectionism is that people who do struggle with perfectionism tend to set higher and higher and higher and higher goals. So I set a high goal that's a bit of a stretch and I make it. And now I'm going to set an even higher goal more of a stretch
0: (laughs) i'm like cringing because i literally just did this like this week (laughs) you know i like oh because the goal i set was like kind of like oh my gosh i don't know that's pretty like ambitious yeah and now i'm like oh should i have done that but now that i've like in my own mind said i'm gonna do this thing i can't like not do
1: it so i'm hearing like you want to try for this thing and i'm wondering earlier you had said if i don't meet a goal it's whatever is that still here or is that gone I mean, it's still here
0: because it's unlikely that I will meet this goal. Okay. But I'm
1: also going to be mad about it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, so you have a little bit of the inner critic saying, like, no, we really need to meet this goal. And there's also some openness, the idea that you might not.
0: I can get healthier by the time it comes around, but...
1: <laughs> At the moment, it, part of me <laughs> wonders if this is the inner critic talking right now. <laughs> I am going to get healthier. <laughs> it could be. It could be. Yeah. I'm thinking of this metaphor, actually, that I'd like to share. And I know that both of you have children. If you were to imagine your child, let's say they're going into first grade. Developmentally, they're progressing normally or typically. But maybe they're struggling with getting distracted and wanting to get up and like play and do things and not really working on the assignment they want to work or they're supposed to be working on. And we have a choice between two teachers. One teacher who is very strict and is like, no, get back in your seat. You have to finish this. This isn't good enough. You haven't done it right. Very rigid, mm-hmm. very strict. That's teacher one. I <laughs> pick teacher two. <chin. laughs> <No, no. laughs> also same. We already know. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so teacher two is someone who notices this, notices your child's struggle, notices your child getting up and getting distracted. And this teacher comes and sits down next to your child and is maybe saying, hey, it seems like we're getting a bit distracted here what's going on, and maybe working with them to see what would be helpful. And maybe they're even saying, hey, since we're struggling with this worksheet, why don't we practice this a little bit more before we go out to recess? Why don't we work on a few more before we go out? I know you guys already said you would pick teacher two. (laughs) Yeah. So you know you would want teacher two for your child. Which teacher do you think would help your child learn more, like actually do better? Teacher 2. I think Teacher 2 also. Teacher 2. So even the outcome, like mm-hmm. doing better would be Teacher 2.
0: Mm-hmm. But hold on. I want to interject that I'm not in favor of missing
1: recess because kids <sighs> need movement. Oh, yes. But let's work on more worksheets, whatever, some, <laughs> some other time. I fully support that. <laughs> I 100% too. support that. If we can reframe this one a little bit <laughs> <laughs> to be like, before we go and play with those toys over there, why don't we do Love it a more? Yeah. Just Love it. it. And honestly, I will come back to that point in a moment. So Teacher 2, we can kind of maybe feel like they'll they'll probably have better outcomes. I wonder which of those teachers sounds like your inner critic, your own personal inner critic.
0: Mm I'm thinking.
2: Probably more so teacher two, but, you know, I mean, I've got a little
0: teacher one in me too, I would say for sure. Yeah. This is the recovering one, Yeah, I was going to say mine's more like teacher one, but she's sassier and funnier.
1: Ah, Oh, (laughs) my goodness. I love this so much. (laughs) Both of you are recovering perfectionists. I'm hearing it. We still have those thoughts that show up every once in a while. And it sounds like both of you have done work maybe actively or maybe a little less actively. And it just kind of intuitively happened for you, Tara. (laughs) That's accurate. (laughs) There's also this compassion that's happening. Yeah, that's what I was going to say when
2: it's self-compassion piece.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Right.
2: That's missing from the inner critic or teacher one. And self-compassion when you were asking the question of which teacher do you think the child would get better grades with? I was going to answer teacher too, because there's more self, I guess in that way, it's not self-compassion, it's compassion. But I know from all the research, when people practice self-compassion, they're actually more likely to meet goals and have kind of more grit, I guess you
0: could say. Yeah, that's really like relieving to hear, you know, you can't like shame yourself into hitting goals or whatever. Yeah, Yeah. So to know that there's research to support that self-compassion helps you achieve, Yes. No, know, I think that's really like nice. It's something I share with my clients a lot because
2: I think it's natural for many people I work with to have this inner critic negative voice or to kind of think I can't be nice to myself. Right. Because then I wouldn't be motivated to make mm-hmm. the change or mm-hmm. that would be letting myself go. And what I like to share is some of the research with Kristen F and different people, but actually self-compassion. Is the key to helping you get those things, right? You yeah. can't hate or shame yourself healthier or happier or more motivated. Yeah. But you can be kind to yourself into that.
1: What you said just now too is kind of comes back to that, hey, why don't we do a few more problems before we end for the day? That is why we can have both, right? Like that teacher is also saying, like, hey, this is a thing we want to work towards. We can do those things in a kind and compassionate way Mm -hmm. that's not, hey, you're doing it wrong. It sounds like you guys have already been kind of practicing talking to yourself in that teacher-to way, in that kind and compassionate way, whether it's intentional practice or not. And I think that that's a really important piece here when we're thinking about how to actually handle that inner critic. I think it's really helpful to first externalize that inner critic a bit in any way that we can. What do you you mean by that stop and notice? Oh, that's my inner critic talking. It could look like that. I think there are a million different ways to practice externalizing. And stopping and noticing, oh, there's that inner critic again, can be one of those ways to externalize those thoughts a bit. There are so many guided imagery exercises that I would love to bring you guys through, but we do not have time for that, unfortunately, today. I like something that works well with a lot of my clients is like, Naming that part of us, giving it a name like Susan, you know, like, Mm. oh, yep, there's Susan again. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I'm sorry, that's just funny. (laughs)
0: That's not the name you're giving yours. Sassy Uh, Susan. I'll have to think about it.
1: (laughs) I liked earlier, Tara, you said that yours is sassy and is kind of funny. Mm -hmm. That's another way to externalize it a bit. Apparently. Yeah, it is. (laughs) Like, it's an actual way that we use to externalize some of these thoughts. Sometimes like imagining those thoughts or actually saying those thoughts in a silly voice, singing them Mm -hmm. can kind of help externalize that inner critic. I also want to come back to that compassion piece again because I think sometimes we direct that compassion only to ourselves. And really when we externalize this inner critic, it kind of takes on a form. And I think extending kindness to that inner critic is incredibly valuable. Tara, I'm seeing your face... What are your thoughts? What thoughts are showing up for you right now? So what I was thinking right at that
0: moment is one of the things that I kind of try to do in life is never suppress a generous thought. So if I, <laughs> if I see somebody that has like epic shoes on, I'm going to tell them that their shoes are epic, regardless of like how awkward it is. And I try to do that with myself, too but I'm not quite as generous with myself as Uh, I am with others. And it can be something as simple as like, great earrings today, or your hair looks amazing, or something like, girl, way to crush that fussy client that you just had. Like you really handled that well. Things like that. So it really is more like an inner cheerleader sometimes. Yeah, yeah. So that's
1: kind of what the look was Uh, (laughs) that you were seeing. Yeah, yeah. I really like that you've kind of externalized both, right? Like you've Mm -hmm. externalized this inner cheerleader and there's this inner critic. And I love the phrase, like, never suppressed. I was going to say the same thing. (laughs) Being a therapist, I would go even further and say never suppress a thought. Uh, <laughs> Ooh, that could Ooh, get dangerous.
0: Way, way to put a twist on it. <laughs> Listen, we don't need me without a
1: filter, okay? <laughs> I don't necessarily mean say all your thoughts.
2: <laughs> yeah, she, that's true. She didn't say say them out loud.
1: <laughs> Thank goodness <laughs> for that. I kind of like this idea of externalizing both, too, because something that can happen, too, is you can almost imagine that inner cheerleader maybe even talking to that inner critic when it's being really mean. And as much as we don't want to extend kindness to that mean part of ourselves, I think that can be incredibly valuable because that inner part of ourselves cares so deeply. I know that we are getting a little bit close to time, but if you guys are okay with that, I'd like to share a personal story about, like, how my inner critic has changed over time, I love stories. Yeah. So I have been working on perfectionism for a very long time (laughs) and this inner critic for a very long time. And there are a few exercises that I've done several times throughout this journey, which is kind of like imagining this inner critic sitting beside me and really like what it looks like, what this inner critic looks like. It's taken different forms, but very recently I did this and I realized that the critic sitting next to me was me. Like I saw me. But then as I was, like, kind of continuing this exercise, I actually realized it was a younger me between, like, 9 and 12. And that really, really struck me because when I was, like, between 9 and 12, I was a different person. Well, I was the same person, but... (laughs) I, I think also, all of us were pretty <laughs> different from 9 to 12. Yeah. I was still me. And also, I have different learning now. I have had different experiences now. And I have different ways of dealing with things now different context. But when I was between that age, I was very explosive with my family. I was... It's probably hard to imagine me I full of rage. I can't even imagine that, no. I know, yeah. I wasn't really with, like, friends necessarily or, like, out in public. But at home, I was cruel. I was cruel. I was destructive. I know, I know. you sitting next to I me. Mean, honestly, I really appreciate the reactions of surprise I'm seeing. <laughs> it feels kind of nice to be like, oh, you guys don't think I'm cruel? But I was, like, I was really mean. But when I think about what was happening in that point in my life, I also— Understand what was happening for her, for that like 10 year old me. Like, I know that I was dealing with some stuff and I didn't have the way to express it in a way that was helpful. So it came out as really cruel and it came out as explosive and destructive. And recently, when I was doing this exercise and I saw her, oh my goodness, I think I'm getting a little bit tearful here. And when I saw this 10 year old me next to me, it made so much sense why I am so mean to myself because it's how I communicated, right? And I could, like, recognize that pain and all the things that that person cared about because that person cared. And so imagining kindness for that part that's so mean to me was incredibly valuable. I wonder what you guys, what your
0: thoughts are. (laughs) I'm just so impressed that you've come so far. Uh, I am a therapist, so I I will say. (laughs) (laughs) That's true. You do have expert advice. I know. Your inner critic, like, knows what he's talking about. (laughs) I try to practice what I preach.
1: (laughs) Yeah. So I found that to be really helpful. And I also want to recognize that this took me a long time to get here. This isn't where I started. I started with my inner critic being very not someone I wanted to go towards (laughs) at all. And it could take time, right? It could take time to get to this place. You're always reminding us what we want to work towards. What a beautiful Mm -hmm. thing to work
2: towards to be able to have that sort of perspective and compassion and... Shift the
1: narrative. Yeah, definitely. Like this. The gratitude to see how far you've come. I could talk about this so much more. I find myself already wanting to, like, share more about this experience. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> <laughs> so, <It's> a cliffhanger. <laughs> it's a cliffhanger. another episode. So to kind of sum things up, some takeaways that I want our listeners to bring with them. Because my guess is many of them might not be at the place that we all seem to be. I'm like, we seem to have a decent relationship with that inner critic. I'm realizing that many of our listeners might not. Mm -hmm. So what I would like for them to take away is that that inner critic is a part of the human experience. And you are not broken for having those thoughts. That's liberating. Yeah. And Try experimenting with different ways of trying to externalize that voice, whether it's by naming it, whether it's by doing a guided imagery. If you Google it, you will find plenty of exercises. Play with different ways of having that voice in your mind. And finally, practice compassion for yourself and for that inner critic. Love everything about that, Mora. It feels super like I can do something with that. Yeah, mm. it's actionable. Thanks, guys. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Wellness Rebranded. If you found this helpful, please take a moment to leave us a review and share it with your friends. If you'd like to learn more about me, Maura, you can find me at my website, moratunny.com. If you want to connect with Tara, find her on Instagram at Tara DeLeon Fitness. To connect with Elizabeth, visit her at elizabethharrisnutrition.com. And while you're there, follow the link to join her health and healing with intuitive eating community on Facebook.